Welcome back to the Water Podcast. My name is Daniel. I have another special guest with me tonight. I'm excited about this one because I'm back recording in person. So um, I was looking up this study from the Pew Research Center, right, in October 2019. 76% of the baby boomer generation described themselves as Christians. In contrast, only half of millennials identify as Christians. Four in ten say that they are religiously unaffiliated. And 1 in 10 identify with non-Christian face. 3 in 10 adults ages 18 and 49 now identify as spiritual but not religious. So uh, with everything that's happened over the last, really over the last decade with the LGBTQ movement and especially over the last year with social justice, you could say that, I don't know, I can't speak for other religions, but... I can say from observation that the church community had definitely taken a hit from that. And so I really wanted to talk to someone who stayed and sort of found peace through all this. Or I'm not going to predict that on you, but you found some solace with it, right? Yeah. So. Some encouragement. For sure. So I have my guy Odell here. We've known each other for... 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the same church for a time. We served in a team ministry together. Yes. That's where we really got close, for real, That's for real. It. When I was here, we were serving a team ministry. So Good times. Yeah, man. Good to, good mm. to have you. Yes. For sure, man. Glad uh, to be here. Thanks for having me on. For sure. How you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling excited. Cool. First podcast. So this is cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm glad. Remember when I was coming? And I was like, at first I was going to eat when I got home. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I need to preserve my energy. I'm glad I didn't eat. Oh, good. Yeah, that would have been. I would have been here. We'd have been. I was like, bro, can I? I'd be like, yo, can I just borrow a couch for like 20 minutes? So I'm glad I did it. Energy is up. You always have good energy, relatively high energy. My energy is fleeting, but it's good right now. So I'm gonna try to ride that as long as I can. But yeah, man, thanks for coming. Um, yeah, we we've had some. We reconnected relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always been cool, but, you know, convos were a few and far between for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for any bad reason. It's just yeah. what it was. But Distance. Really, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I tend to not reach out as much for that yeah. reason. Life be life, you know what I mean? Nothing, yeah. It goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. So, But recently we reconnected and we've had some refreshing convos. Mm-hmm. Under, like, we always have refreshing convos, but um, there was... In a way, it for me at least, it seemed like it felt like in some ways we were on similar paths, mm-hmm. but different. Like there were parallels with it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you stay with the church, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people, not to say a lot of people, people left. You stay. You sort of restructured your mindset mm-hmm. with staying a little bit yes. in a way where, from outside looking in, there's kind of like a weight off of you mm-hmm. in a way. Okay. Right. And, yeah. Sure. And then for me, I kind of restructured the way, but I did. I did not stay. It's not about me. And we're talking about somebody specifically that stayed. I may put my stuff in, but uh, for me, I've sort of went on a similar path, but just kind of different route, mm-hmm. um, and sort of like getting my own weight off. So I'm very interested to hear a little about yours. Again, we've had the combos offline, but I think it's it would be dope to kind of put it on wax too. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that. People are really going to resonate with it, and I think it might be helpful for some people too. Sure, definitely. Uh, which is the main motivation for that. 
So I like to get kind of the big picture uh, when I talk to people to the best of my ability. So like when you were a child, do you do you come from a religious family when you were a kid? Um, you yeah. attend church regularly. Mm-hmm. We uh, <clears throat> we went we went every Sunday generally. Yeah, <laughs> my dad had this uh, big Bible, like as big as his desk. I mean, like you know, almost a foot, you know, foot and a half wide, and it's just big, big Bible. So, uh, but uh, we took a took a took a little hiatus from that, and ended up you know going back with my mom. But there was always, oh, church was always like in the background. For sure. Yeah. For sure. What were you like in general? Like, were you like artsies, like games, outdoorsy? Hardly all of it. I was trying to do all of it, but I think now I understand, like, I'm more of the gamey. I think for sure, um, when I was alone, not around friends, I, I was like being in a friend. So, whatever my friends were doing, let's do it. Rap bikes. You know, football, um, <laughs> throw back and run more, more so. Um, but yeah, when I got into games, games really like video games, Nintendo, mm-hmm. then progress from there. We had an Atari too. This is, it's probably dating me. The, the Atari came out while I was, you know, young. So it was fun. It was good. Yeah. Got me started early. Cool. And how long have you been a Christian? Oh boy, twenty one years. Twenty one years. So let's go back, you know, twenty one years. And you know, before we go any deeper into this, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wanna be clear that this is in no way like my intent is not to like indict a church or a specific body. Yeah. I just wanna have a convo, right? I don't know how it's gonna come off. You know what I mean? <laughs> two, two people are listening. Yeah, sure. But my intent is to have a convo of stuff that I've noticed from like the forest, and you've kind of noticed from the trees. Yeah. And how we have, how we have maneuvered with that. You know what I mean? That is my intent, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think mine, mine too. I ain't trying to call nobody out. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Shame it's, it's not even about that. You feel me? So since you. Having been in that body, the, it was a very active church. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that in terms of like by the book, like if you want to follow the Bible, I still tell people to this day that like if you want to go to Christian, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to live by the Bible, go there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so very active. I remember for myself, I was pretty busy and heavily involved. And I got that way pretty quickly mm-hmm. after becoming a Christian. I don't know what it was like for you, but by the time I I was there, you were already, you were pretty heavily involved. Oh yeah, for for a while. I so was in there, yeah. Were was there a point in that? Like, I don't know what your life was like because you you became a Christian while you were in campus, correct? Mm-hmm. Was there a point where like, I don't know how active you were in general or on campus? Mm-hmm. Before, but afterwards, when you got involved in the campus ministry, was there like kind of like a shift in? I imagine there was a shift in activity. Was there like a shift in how you approach things, like how you approach activities? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I follow you. A part of me wants to take take it back to to where 
you know, I, I had been growing in church, and also there's faith and saving faith, is, is what I call it. So we're all on a journey and everything, but I didn't really make that commitment and have saving faith till till campus came along. So, but yeah, I, I think I, I I was a part of a youth ministry. It wasn't as uh, involved as uh, campus ministry life was, but. Uh, we did stuff, and we went out, and we shared, we did car washes, so I was kind of used to doing things, but definitely when when I became uh, involved with the campus ministry, there was a, there was a whole nother level, and I, I think I enjoyed that. I felt like there was a side of that that I felt like I knew I, I should be doing. I should have been involved in this whole time, so I just kind of rolled with, rolled with it, so yeah. Does that answer your question? So I could imagine at some point you go from strictly in terms of activity level, right? Mm -hmm. And ideology as well, mm -hmm. where it goes from doing what you were doing before and then sort of your Google calendar, so to speak, <laughs> fills up a little bit more. Oh, yeah. During that time. Using a calendar. So you got to keep up with them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, during that time, was there any sort of resistance or was it just like, like within you that started to form? Like, or was it just like, uh, was it just like your life? Is that something you had accepted? Yeah. Does that question make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when we talked, it, it became clear that there were signs and different things, but I think at the time, I just kind of just, you know, push them off the side. I didn't even recognize them as a resistance or a thing that should be, you know, paid attention on something was wrong. Or, you know, I need to do something else. So I, I will share that there were times where I uh, we could go on so much, right? And I would get just like super down. And I thought, oh, man, I, I used to call it like the lonely hermit syndrome. I felt very lonely and just kind of like... Like, blah, just like small depression, I guess, is, is kind of, and I want to be around people. And uh, I was like, what's wrong? Why is this happening? You know, it just come out of the blue. Be heading somewhere, and I'm like, man, I'm done. <laughs> but I come to realize, like, that was my body, my mind saying, hey, take a break. Slow down. Like, you have been going, I would do three, four events, you know, like, in one day, stay up you know late and get up early so there's a, only so much the body can take I think just physically so I think that was one thing that I, I've recognized I guess the other is like ideology right at, at a certain point after I had kids I got married there were just points where I felt like the productivity that I was invested in and committed to it didn't jive with my life like, I have to be a husband. I got to go to work. I got kids. And at, at those points, I felt I felt the resistance. Sure. <laughs> like, I can't I can't keep up this pace. Or these things, these ideas don't make sense if I'm trying to be a great dad or a great husband. Like, they're competing almost, you know. For sure. Um, and somebody's got to win. I think I'm supposed to be a great husband. I think I'm supposed to be a great dad. So, yeah. Without getting in, into specifics, but yeah. that that's some of the resistance I felt. Understood. 
was there like do you recall there ever being like a specific trigger or was there just like a moment or was it like one of the moments you already described <laughs> the more I'm, I'm, I'm out of the trees out of the forest I mean I can see the tree uh, but there's so many you know I look back and I start thinking of like oh man that was something you know when that person said that oh, I remember going to that trip like I just said, I had four or five things planned in the day. Why was I doing that? I just kind of forget until something, something brings it up. Um, I think recently, COVID has definitely, uh, in a sense, triggered some things um, in a good way, I feel. You kind of slow down, and you don't have to be places at a certain time. And and this is like, it's, it's, it's my church, but it's it's all churches. There's a there's an element of like productivity, and when everything slowed down, we actually got to breathe a little, get to connect with God, like do the things that you should and you want to do, but you didn't have a time to do, versus uh, all the demands and things that other people wanted or that you think people want you to do. All all of that is just it's all. When you slow down, you're like, oh man. And you just ponder on a few scriptures or an idea, and, you, and it just makes so much sense. It's like, oh, I, I think I have an idea. I think I want to do this. I think this is going to help me. I think it's going to help my family. And that just didn't, those kind of thoughts weren't able to come to life. So just going here, running here, getting a car, get some fast food, and, you know, you're eating all this junk food. And, and that was just me. Everybody's not doing that. But that's how our family kind of operated. We just... We're running constantly. So slowing down was was one of those things. And it, it showed itself. So Yeah. And that's a that's a great segue because for all the bad that's come from it, I I think that COVID has been a period of huge like refining by fire for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And you said this already, but I just want to reiterate, like this is not about a specific church body, like the stats that I read at the beginning was not about like a specific church community. It was about like church as a whole. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're trying to address. But there was the crossroad for me, right? So I mentioned LGBTQ, which was to some extent addressed in the particular body. And I was around for that. It wasn't addressed as heavily, but what I have noticed from the forest, right, since COVID, there has been a heavy, a, a way heavier emphasis on productivity and expectations as it pertains to that, because a lot of people's lives changed. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't personally one of the ones who whose schedule was switched to telework, and they all set to be full-time parents, for example. Mm. But Preach. No. <laughs> That's tough. But... But, but right where I'm easy. getting at is, right, so whereas before you had these competing priorities and you're just like, you want to be these good things, I don't know what your life was like day to day, beginning of COVID, lockdown, everything, but when you're put in situations like that, you have to sort of choose. Mm-hmm. And and then on top of that, you have the perfect storm of, of what happened with with so many names during that point. You had the Breonna Taylor, you had... Mm. You had George Floyd, you had Ahmaud Arbery, and people were angry. And and that, so there was a lot that had to be 
it, it was so powerful that in general, like across all the board, no matter what the nomination, those things in so many ways just couldn't afford to not be addressed anymore. And so people's beliefs, for what I've seen, were refined by fire. Like I personally know several people who stopped participating in church and some found spirituality or their relationship with God in their own way. Some were just like, whew, glad that's over. But what stood out with you for me personally was when we reconnected, when was it, April, May, whenever we was, you know, we were in this very room where you was in this very room <laughs> and like you had your guitar, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, that's so dope. He had a guitar. Like I never seen him with a guitar before. They, and like, there was just like a light energy coming from you. Hmm. So like, I'm, I'm hearing about stuff that's happening and then I see Odell with a guitar and I'm like, Outside of everything going on, there's something different about Odell, right? And you mentioned in that conversation, you had got to a point where you realized that in the act of denying sin, mm. you had denied Odell. You began to deny Odell, but still deny sin. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do to begin that? Like, it sounds like resistance was built, and then, boom, COVID happens, and then... We talk and you got a guitar. You know what I mean? Can, can yeah. you call it, can you kind of walk me through what that looked like for you? That process of sort of like being Odell again. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm a I'm a play a, a little riff on my guitar now. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that good. It is fun. Uh, I brought a guitar, man. You got me distracted. <laughs> uh, so. I lived a lot of my life, but it, so it always goes back to childhood, right? How you grew up and your parents, and, you know, as you go along, the different experiences, just kind of extensions of that. So I always was trying to fit in. I was always trying to not be the butt of a joke. <laughs> so I became cool with a lot of people and just understood things. So I think as I progressing my Christianity, that's what I, I was doing. So, oh, is, is this the culture? All right, cool, I, I'll do that. Oh, this is what y'all like? So let's do that. All the while, still trying to love God, love people. But uh, in that, and I think Christianity has scriptures like denying self that can be easily misconstrued and like applied to deny your, like, your humanity, like what makes you you. And that's what I was doing for sure. And the more you read, you look at Jesus, you look at those who are happy and, you know, doing it out here. They're their authentic self. Uh, Oh, here's a point of resistance. I do remember doing some things and to see people be authentic, like they were able to just be themselves and be accepted. And maybe they weren't accepted, but they were free to just be like, the, the version that you, you really shouldn't do, or the thing you shouldn't say in this culture or this, this place. I was like, I want to do that. Like, I don't feel free to do that. Why is that? And I just kind of internalized that. You know? I, I didn't really recognize it, but I felt it. Um, and then you come into people, like people recognize that too. So if you're not being authentic, they, they don't trust you. Or, you know, uh, I don't trust people like that either. But, there's a, there's a level of like authenticity that's positive and helpful for relationships. So I was like, I want to do that. And so all in all, I think I, I became comfortable with my own skin. 
I've had some times with people like, you don't seem comfortable as yourself. And before I was a Christian, I was like pretty wild in the sense like I did I did care a lot about what people thought. But then I got over it. I was like, I don't want to live this way. So I kind of flipped. So I would do the thing that you shouldn't do and became really like almost disrespectful in a sense as a kid. But as a kid, Christian, I like, oh, I can't do that. Let me, let me, let me tone that down a little bit. Oh, and to the point that I, that I think that part of Odell was free, you know? So in uh, recognizing that, I started to think, oh, what is, what is Odell like? Odell has always wanted to play the guitar. Why hasn't he played it? What is he doing? You know, he can't pick up a guitar for like 10 minutes a day. Uh, he wants to learn Kung Fu. He wants to, uh, I talk myself in the third person. I wanted to, to do some of these things. And they were, weren't like terrible things. Things like, I want to take my wife on a date. I want to just sit down and sip some coffee at this restaurant. Whatever the case. I, I just didn't feel the, the denying self almost made things that Odell likes to do sin. So that's kind of my bad interpretational culture of the church I was in. It just made it seem like to do the things you like is sin. So you have to deny that. You have to deny all that. And come over here and do these things. These are the things that's worth your, your time and your efforts. So I know that's a long answer, but. No, that was great. There's a lot there. As we've, every time we talk, was like more to dig out of that. Yeah. So another thing I thought too, there was a, a rabbi, I listened to a podcast, and he kind of had this analogy or metaphor, whatever. Uh, we, we tend to think, like, when we go to heaven, we go to the gates, pearly gates, and see Peter. And uh, in this analogy, he said, Jesus will be there. And we imagine him saying, hey, why weren't you more like Paul? Why weren't you more like these people in the Bible that you were reading and, you know, trying to look like you should have done more of those things? Uh, he said, Jesus will probably be more like why weren't you more like Odell? Why were why, I created you to be Odell? Why weren't you more like yourself? What were you doing? I was like, wow. That was like a really powerful moment. And I thought, man, that's, we talk about the body. Everybody's not an arm or eye or ear or whatever. Uh, everybody's meant to be what they are. So I started thinking, man, you be you. Like, I got to be me and you have to be you. So. That was something that really came. I think when we were talking, I was applying and living that way at that time. So Yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. Um, I have a ton of respect for anybody. I'll start by saying this. So we've talked before, and I've referenced, like there's like a, a pipeline. Mm. And it's almost like sometimes if you don't fall within that pipeline, you can slip through the cracks, yeah. so to speak. What I've seen, though, with people like you, there's like another pipeline being formed hmm. where people are choosing peace. They're choosing to live the same life, but just, to your point, more authentically. Hmm. And for me, just as an observer, you can kind of tell when the peace is there. You just tell. Like, I picked up on the energy when we, when we caught up. Both times, we caught up on, on Zoom or wherever we were on hmm. and when we were in person. And it's almost like, it's almost like to get to that pipeline, there's like kind of like a, a stop there. Like a, I don't know, like I, I'm not a plumber and I don't remember, I'm not even like a remotely a handyman, but there's like something that like would stop like certain things from getting through. Okay. You know what I mean? Like whatever that apparatus is. And 
try my best to continue to make this analogy when I have no knowledge of pipelines. In order to get to that pipeline of peace and sort of freedom within, there's like that resistance. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with standing on that original pipeline. Mm-hmm. But it's a hard life to live if you were to face resistance and to choose to continue to remain in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because that's where like bitterness forms. That's where like you just sort of lose yourself. Yes. And like I-, I feel like there's also not that it's irreversible, but there's also a point where like sometimes you need to get so far from yourself. The work that you have to do to get back there is like so insurmountable. On top of like whether it be the productivity that is expected of you, whether spoken or unspoken, and the life that you're already living, mm-hmm. right? And so, I commend you for realizing that. And I guess in your instance, it was like the final straw—not even straw, but the final whatever to that was COVID, mm-hmm. and being able to sit with that, and maybe getting a a taste of what that life was like. Mm-hmm. I had to hit rock bottom for mine. Like that was. Whatever resistance I felt, like I was at a point where like I had lost my job, I lost my place, and I kind of felt like a failure as a man. And it was the same thing for me. Like I just had no sense of self by that time because I had grown up a preacher's kid. And so, you know, there's so many expectations, whether they're spoken or unspoken, there's so many expectations that come with that. And then I went from being a preacher's kid to sort of on my own for a little bit. You know, college was experimental years, those those years or whatever. And then I went from that to being like taking on a role of a Christian husband at the time. And there are certain things that I expected that. And so I went from being in a position to where I was sort of like under an umbrella of someone who was sort of accountable for me to kind of being an umbrella where I was accountable to like nothing, like strip naked in, in a lot of senses, right? Yeah. To the point where I'm like taking personality tests. Like who 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 am I even? Like mm. for me, that's kind of where I was. Um and again, you know, my particular path did not involve, you know, remaining with religion, but it was a path that I needed to go on to discover who Daniel was. Mm. And even when I thought I hit rock bottom, I hadn't hit it yet. And I just, it was just like, what is it? Oh, is this right bottom? No. Is this right bottom? No. Oh, and it's got to be right bottom. But I had to go through each of those mm. individual scenarios. Like, I don't look back at any of that with regret. Like, whoever was a part of that, like, no hate, no whatever whatsoever. Because, you know, my story involved people, but everybody in those situations sort of did the best with what they had. So I don't look at it with regret because without that, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am. Mm. But back to you. I commend you for that because it takes a lot of bravery to do that. Mm. You know, it could have been business as usual for you. And then you could have spent another, how old are you right now? Sorry to put you out there. I am 39. You could have spent another 39 years doing that, bro. Mm. Easily. Yeah. I, yeah, there was no insight for sure. Easily, man. And I just think that, again, going back to this being a period of refining, we have to make a decision. Like some, some of, sometimes we're forced into it. Sometimes we're just kind of put in a situation where, you know, in your instance, you got a taste of what it was like. And I just think it's important for people to decide what is best for them mm-hmm. when that time comes. So going back to a little bit closer to the subject at hand, you, you referenced like the culture a little bit. Was there like something about any series of events or something about that culture that 
made you change in addition to, you know, what you've already named? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at, at the time, you know, as organizations do, churches do, we try to adjust, you know, for the times and address needs. And we were adjusting, or at least some people were, or trying to, but it didn't change the culture. There was adjustments. There were different terms used. There were different strategies and handouts, but nothing at the core didn't change. And it came out, you know, it's different times with different people. So you talk to other people in the fellowship and, you know, we're talking about this. <laughs> you're talking about how graceful or whatever. And they're still guilted out and shamed. And it was just hard to reconcile that within the church itself and, and just in the behind the curtain, I guess, too. So there was a moment for sure when I was like, I don't think I can, as a trusted leader or, you know, influencer here, that I can continue to go along with the program. Like, I feel different. Uh, you say go left. I'm saying maybe we should stay here. Maybe we should go right, you know. Um, not that I disagree with what we're trying to do, but the methods and the tone and there's, there's just this, the subtleties just made it very difficult. And uh, I had to give it up to my wife, too. She, she has done a lot of work. And through her going through all of her work, she shares it with me. I'm like, oh, that means so well. You read that book or this is term. And so anyway, all of that, as we both were trying to figure out, like, okay, it was the point like, hey, if, if you don't want to do that, you should probably get somebody else in this position to do it. Because if we stay here, we're going to we're gonna do it this way. And there's no hate. There's nothing animosity. It's just, I just can't do it. It goes against my conscience or I think this is right, you know, or this is not needed. So, yeah, there was a big moment like that where I think we both decided, like, nah. I think my wife was more on it before I was, but we both were like, we got to do this or we're just not. <laughs> Take it, believe it. So I think that's 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 where we were. Yeah. So you can speak as generally or as specific as you want, but hindsight is 2020, right? And, and to yeah. the point, I would like to think that, you know, maybe people involved without, you know, obviously names, but... They would probably say they would do something different. But, you know, from your experience, what would you say could be changed? <laughs> how long How long is this back at? No. <laughs> hey, take your time, man. Take your time. We in this. I, I, I don't know if I get super duper specific, but definitely have noticed things. And it's not, again, about where I'm attending. Uh, but um, there, there's, you, you mentioned it, there's a cost to pay. If you assimilate the culture at churches, you lose you lose yourself. You lose a part, that part that God made to make you Daniel, to make me Odell, you know? Uh, there should be a, like, a valuing of that, a, a real, like, encouragement of that. Like, we say, you know, come as you are. <laughs> but we say, come as you are, but, you know, you got to be like us. You know, it's kind of the... You can come in, but by the time you leave, you know, you got to change. You know? <laughs> and uh, repentance, changing, yes, we, we're sinful. We got to change our ways. But as a, a human, God loves us. Well, we are. He made us this way. So there, there are some really key parts of us that are like, good, they're fine. Uh, and I think we need to highlight a lot of that. that that's one thing. <laughs> I don't You mentioned some people stay. You know, some people have gone, I call it swimming in the soup. <laughs> you know, 
some some people, and I guess I was I was doing that for a while too. Uh, I think that there's, there's church culture that can benefit certain people. You know, getting those uh, benefits from wherever you are, it's good. There's nothing wrong if you're valued, you know, there. So if the culture is like bad or toxic, it can be a problem, you know. So anyway, that, that idea, I don't blame anybody for like swimming in the soup or wanting big change. I think I've resolved to want change, but not kind of stick around, you know, waiting, waiting on pins and needles for it, for it to happen. I mean, talk about it. Jesus coming back anytime. Life is short. My kids out here, my wife said, I'm, I'm going to live and enjoy the time I have you. Like, I'm going to make the most of it. I can't wait around for these big changes to happen. So with that, some some of what I've seen, a lot is a big movement, like deconstruction movement. You hear about this? So it's like a lot of the things are just woven in so deeply. It's like the whole racial thing with America. It's just in there. Can you separate it? Can I don't think so. So if we're really going to change it, we got to deconstruct. We got to, in a sense, almost start over and lay some some serious foundations, call out bad culture uh, emphatically, repeatedly, you know, with the same the same vigor that we go after other things. It's it's gotta it's gotta go, you know, that way. And maybe it'll change because then. I think there's, there's, there's that pressure, you know, leaders or people in charge are saying certain, but what about the people? Is it going to resonate with them? So there's all kinds of dynamics, but I feel like that, that ultimately will need to happen. Yeah. I definitely think going back to refining. So two things, one from the outside looking in, I kind of get it because like an act of construction, right? You kind of got this thing, you start from scratch and then you notice something or whatever, and then you try to address that issue. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to plug that hole up. Something else happened. You try to address that issue. Mm-hmm. And this keeps happening. And then next thing you construct the building. That building lets other people in the building. Turns out that business, that building isn't suited for everybody that's now in that building. But then you got the builders who have done a pretty good job building. Mm-hmm. But then you come in and say, you know, like this thing with the building isn't, it isn't housing some people, right? The way they would like to be housed. Mm-hmm. I'll say, with anybody that's building anything where there are moral implications, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a scale of good to bad. For those who build generally towards that good in the spectrum, there is a there can be a tendency to have like this sometimes false sense of all around goodness, yeah. right? Says where, how can you call this thing out within me? I'm a good person. I have done, and then like it could be to check all this of the things that I've done. Like here's my CV of how good I am. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. And it's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, so going back to this being a period of refining, like to your point, I think that deconstruction is good, not only of the structure, but of like the ego too, like of the person. Yeah. And everybody that wants this same thing, because at the end of the day, like everyone's supposed to be the same team. Everyone's the same thing. So it's like, how can, and there's no easy answer to this, right? No. But it's. How can I keep Odell, Asha, whoever else, how can I keep that and work with these people to this common goal? And to those other people, it's how can I keep myself mm-hmm. and work with Odell, you know, yeah. towards this common goal when we're so different but want the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's no easy fix, but, you know, it's it's interesting to 
I feel like with any structure that is built soundly, there has to be a time of deconstruction and reconstruction. It's happened with this country, like right now. Yes. We've been this power for so long, and there's Nixon the armor now, and there's no deconstruction of any type of ego or any type of policy to where those holes can be plugged in. Because you have a large subset of people that aren't being heard. And whether or not the people at the top want to believe it, you need those people. Yes, you do. <laughs> you need all of them. And so, you know what I mean? Like, beliefs are being refined. Egos are being refined. Countries, ideologies, mm-hmm. churches, religion in general. Like, all these things are being refined. And we just have to make a choice. And I like to think the choice is, you know, obviously there's like the inner choice. But then it's also like a, as a community, what is what is for the greater good? Mm-hmm. We're witnessing this with COVID, you know? Yes. So everything is, is, is being refined. So with that said, I just want to leave leave us with this final question. And if you have something cool than that, it's also cool. But what would you say to anyone else who may be at a point of resistance or feel like they lost themselves? And it don't have to, it to be about church mm-hmm. or religion. I think that Whatever we're talking about here, I've tried to make a connection to where it can apply across the board. Yeah. So if there's anything, you kind of talked about your own story, but is there anything that you would have for anybody else who they're at this juncture where they maybe subconsciously would like to be sort of free for themselves? Mm. Yeah, do it. <laughs> uh, you be you. I, I think it's kind of corny, <laughs> but it's, it's true. I just think... Just be yourself and kind of work out the the negative, bad stuff on, on the way, you know. I think it's, it's again, a high cost to pay just to squash, squash who you are. Like, it, you're not even being yourself. Like, I, I know I, I, I say you. I got to talk about myself. I did not necessarily like myself in who I was becoming, even though I was a good person, a nice guy, you know, did a lot of good stuff. I just in, internally, there's just there's friction, there's pressure being built, and that has implications for mental health, physical health. Uh, reading this book, and it, it brought to mind like all the physical ailments that are out there that don't really have a cause per se. Uh, like oh, you know, we ate this food, or you know, we, we breathe in this, this gas. No, it's just out of the blue. You, you, your bowels are irritable. And uh, a lot of different things, headaches, it's just stress, that internal pressure within itself. So there's all kinds of reasons to be yourself, but that that was one. I I, I did want to comment too, like I like your analogy about the building because builders are trying to make this this great thing, but you can't you can't make everybody happy. You can't accommodate everybody. And I think I had that idea too, like this is this is everything. What we're doing here is for everybody. It is, if you choose to, to accept. <laughs> but everybody can't fit this mold. And that, I think, to have molds and predefined, like, places for people, you know, this is how, this is the moral standards where you have to be. It cuts out, again, all the, the humanity God's blessed us with. So I've started to think, like, man, if everybody was just, like, their authentic self, doing that thing, how great would church be? Like, what kind of thing, what kind of programs would we have if there were, like, you know, 20 different people doing all the things that God has gifted them or they're, they're gifted at doing? It'd be a different place. And I, I think there wouldn't be as much structure. Uh, there wouldn't be as much walls and all these things with the building, which, again, would accommodate 
a lot more people. I think you probably felt it too in, in team ministry. Like there's just some teens with our culture we would not, we could not reach. It just you just you just look at the room and like this is not for me, you know. Um, and I, I tried to get certain people in it. I, I knew it. It's like, they're not going to like this, you know, even though there were some good things happening. So I was, I was thinking about that too. But I guess to answer your question, you be you. Yeah, like to your point, I think there's a lot of value to creating a space that allows people to operate from a place where they're giving freely mm-hmm. versus in a structure where they may not be encouraged or I mean, I have the space or leisure to fully give their gifts. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the difference between, like, say you have a bunch of entrepreneurs that, that have formed a coalition versus, like, and I'm not saying this in the terms of, like, socioeconomic status, but, like, like five guys. Like, you, you go to work for five guys, right? Yeah. You got SOPs already. Yeah. And it's like, regardless of what your gift is, if you're scheduled to work at Grill that day, you're going to be on the burgers. You better flip the you burgers. Me? Right. You're not, you're probably going to give that freely, you know what I mean, in that structure. But that said, I guess for me and my journey, it really started to take off when I started to meditate. Meditation gave me this ability that I had never had before because I was so like gung-ho on seeking certain affirmations outside of myself. And I was also a huge overthinker too, you know what I mean? But when I started meditating, when I first started, I was in, those who really know me know it as a dojo. When I, my first spot uh, that I got in Falls Church, when I started living on my own. So I was an overthinker, and so it was hard for me to meditate off top. Because, you know, the biggest barrier to get people to meditate is, my mind is always racing. Whatever. So I was one of those people too. So on top of being an overthinker, I also like work a lot. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started, it was hard for me to get out of my head. But I was also like always coming home from work. Because I worked my full-time. At the time, I worked at part-time at a gym. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was working on a side hustle. So I was probably, I didn't like to work at home any more than I had to. So I was like at somebody Barnes & Nobles or somebody's like coffee shop or something. So I was always coming home from, from somebody work, whether it was my own or somebody else's. So I don't remember what day started it, but one day as I was meditating, I like kind of ventured outside of myself, right? And I simulated myself getting home from work. And this was like, in the midst of like this storm of me like thinking about what I had to do that day or whatever because I, I would always meditate in the morning and so this one day mine is racing and I'm outside of myself and the other me so to speak is pulling up at the crib mm-hmm. and he parks and he kind of makes his way you know goes around the back of the house I lived in a, in a private in an English basement goes around the house he does all the stuff I would have done getting home from work so opens the door whatever he took from lunch that day lunches dinner whatever put it in the fridge kick the shoes off, put the slides on, change clothes, and then he sat down with me, like, face me. You know what I mean? By the time he sat down, everything was quiet, bro. Mm. Mine wasn't racing anymore. And we just sat together and mm. just let stuff happen. You know what I mean? And so, and it got to the point where I wouldn't start meditating until it happened. And if it didn't, I didn't beat myself up. If it didn't happen right away, like, sometimes I would just restart. Yeah. I wouldn't even restart. I would just pause and pick up where I left off, like, Boom. Like, I get out the car, and I'm, like, halfway to the door. A bunch of thoughts come in. All right, all right, all right. I'll cross the street. All right, let's mm-hmm. get back to get in the house. Mm-hmm. Every time I did I'll do it every morning. Every time I did that, I would get the best quality meditation in there. And it helped me with, like, empathy. It helped me with my, like, self-love. 
so I could see others and I could see myself better. Mm-hmm. And the reason why was because when I'm outside of myself, I see myself as I see somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm no different from the next person. But when I stepped outside of myself, just like you want the best for your kids or your wife or one of the homies, that's how I started looking at myself. Mm. It wasn't like this person that needed affirmation anymore. It was like I was the person that could give me affirmation at that point. And so eventually stuff from that flow, like obviously better quality meditation sessions. But outside of that, it was just like this sense of wanting the best for myself. And, uh, you know, I could go down a whole rabbit hole of like reparenting my inner child and all that stuff. But for me, it was very simple at that point. It was like when I removed, and again, I was like naked. I had lost a lot. Uh, I had lost a considerable amount. Mm-hmm. So it was like me and me sitting on this bed, meditating, facing each other. It was like, what do you want to do? When you remove societal expectations, and like, whether it be from career, whether it be from like trying to live up to what other people I went to school with was doing with their lives or whatever, it was like, you remove all the expectations. What do you want your life to look like? And from there, everything eventually flowed. Hmm. The hardest part was getting over the fear of like not living up to that. But from there, everything flowed. Hmm. So that would be my input on that. Good. Meditation's huge. I forgot about that. I started doing that too. That's it's beautiful. It's, it's, I won't say it's easy, but it's, it's free. You know, you can it's jump free. right into anybody. Man, I go down a whole meditation rabbit hole, bro. <laughs> That's it's so, you know, I was forced to get to a point mm-hmm. where I had to do that. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's that's what I would say. Uh, it, it don't even have to be, meditation helps, but whatever it takes for you to see yourself as somebody else and want the best for yourself. Like for me, I have a self-affirmation journal where I write in the third person. I typically end up with an affirmation, like you're doing great, stay the course, come back when you need this. Because when I write in it, by that point, like there's a specific acute issue that I had to address to build myself back up in that moment. So yeah, man, just, I think it just, what you said, just learning to be okay with whatever the authentic self looks like and being brave enough to stand up inside that body Hmm. Regardless of what other people say. You got anything else? I think I'm done. I talk too much from you. I think I talk too much. But that's what this is. We're talking about this conversation. No, I, I, I see it. I see it in you. The things that you're talking about uh, affect you in a very positive way. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, nobody will be able to recover from what, what you've gone through. But there have been people who've gone through lesser things that have not recovered. So I think the work you're doing, the positivity, the love that you have is just, it's beautiful, man. I'm just, I'm excited to experience it and chop it up with you. And uh, I get to listen to you chop it up with other people. It's fun to talk to you. So I appreciate the time. appreciate our conversation. Thank you, man. Likewise. And again, I commend you for what you're doing too, because representation matters, right? So there might be another me out there that might need to hear my perspective. But there's probably a lot of yous out there too that need to hear your perspective mm. and need to see somebody else who, who's, who's doing what you've done and chosen to stand up within themselves and just be that. Mm-hmm. You know, like somebody might be out there wanting to play their own instrument. And, and just Do be that it! Person. <laughs> Pick it up! <laughs> so fun. Yeah, man. I need to get that piano, man. I gotta stop. I do too much stuff. Anyway. <laughs> it's tough. I still want to do 
I want to play tennis. I want to. There's so much I want to do, but so much more. Yeah, you're right. It's not enough time. But yeah, man, that, that's all I had. I think this was a very dope combo. But yeah, I think that's a good way to end it, man. Uh, this was a super dope combo, and it was definitely cathartic for me. And uh-huh. even though we kind of talked about it before, it's like we've unlocked other levels to it too. You yeah. know what I mean? So um, it's everything I wanted and more for real. Um, is there anything that you wanted to, to plug before we head out? Yeah. I want to uh, give a plug for my wife. She she uh, is becoming an entrepreneur. She's in that group. And uh, she's making digital planners. Digital planners. Uh, I, I've actually started using it. I, I like to plan. I use a lot of paper and little stickies. But she makes these digital planners. Check her out on joyfullyplaypaperless.com joyfullypaperless.com I think uh, she has a few formats that can fit anybody's lifestyle. They're pretty dope. Cool. I'm definitely going to check it out. As for me, same old with me. You know what I mean? Follow the Water Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, I like to give sort of insights to the episodes or if I share stats, I'll like share the link to that stats or if a music choice or whatever. So definitely follow the Twitter the IG, uh, or if you like me, I don't like to follow accounts like that, but at least like check up, check in on it like every now and then and see what new content is there. I'm not mad at it either. Well, other than that, that's all I got, man. Thanks so much for, for the convo. Yes. Love you, bro. Me too. For sure, for sure. Big fun. Thanks. Yes, sir. But hey, man, love you all too. We out.